this is Sophie and this is the Levant X podcast. We will be discussing a really interesting topic today. We are going to be discussing uh, the kafala system. Now, the kafala system is something that is quite controversial and it seems to be taking place um, across the GCC reason, region. Now, under the kafala system, a migrant worker's immigration status is legally bound to an individual employer or sponsor, which we call a kafil, for their contract period. Now, the power that the kafala system delegates to the sponsor over the migrant worker has been likened to a contemporary form of slavery. So today we are talking to Lebanon 961. It's an NGO that is continuously working to abolish the kafala system and both treat and aid those who have fallen victim to its cruel and inhumane um, laws. Now, Patricia, we've got her online today. Patricia is here to tell us more about the cases in the country, in Lebanon and the region, and how they're working around the clock to create concrete changes. Hi, Patricia, can you hear me? Yeah, hi, Sophie. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have us with you. And we can't, we, we really want to know what nine, Lebanon 961 has been up to since, um, well, I'm sure it's been around working a lot, but since um, the financial crisis that took place in Lebanon and the revolution and the latest uh, bomb blast, we do know that a lot of these um, domestic workers uh, have been put on the streets, have been thrown outside of their embassies, and um, have really been treated badly. So if you could just um, possibly highlight what Lebanon 61 uh, stands for and what you have been trying to achieve. Yeah, sure. So the name of our organization is This Is Lebanon. And we're a Canada-based charity that helps abused domestic workers in Lebanon. And initially, we just we started because we just wanted to bring some of these stories out of the darkness into the light, really. We didn't have any goal that was bigger than that. But uh, almost instantly, without any planning on our part, we became the hotline for domestic workers. So we weren't just telling the stories of girls that had um, returned home. We were getting cries for help from, um, from domestic workers still inside the house saying, you know, I haven't been paid for a year or whatever. My, I'm being abused. My, you know, my mister has tried to rape me. Just the whole gamut of um, abuses. And we were thrown in the deep end trying to, to help these girls. So we've been operating now for about three years and up to about 120,000 followers on Facebook now. So that gives us a little bit more power to help the women that are being abused. And we only started keeping accurate records of who was contacting us two years ago. But since then, we've had um, 8,500 unique people contact us for help. So that kind of gives you an idea of just the, the size of the problem. Yeah, those, those, those numbers are crazy, Patricia. Um, and I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure on your end, it's been really, really difficult. As you said, if you're a Canada-based organization, how are you managing to actually um, uh, be on the ground and, and help them here? Uh, what, what's, what's the strategy? So what we do is, well, before we would tell uh, the person, the girl, um, not to run away, 
and we would negotiate with their employers to try and um, facilitate payment of their salary and their release. So we would contact the employer and we would say, um, such and such as family have contacted us, um, alleging that she hasn't been paid for X number of months. And we like to hear both sides of the story. So um, please send to us all opinion receipts so that we can, you know, we know who's telling the truth. And then we take it from there. You know, it depends on um, which way the employer goes. Like if, they, if they're willing to cooperate, then the story can end peacefully. The girl can go home. She can go home with her salary and the employers get to retain their anonymity. Even if they've uh, physically abused her, denied her salary, like one a Kenyan lady, Doreen, hadn't been paid for four years. Wow. And they were getting her to climb the pine trees and harvest the pine nuts. Four oh years God. she hadn't been paid. So because they had a big company in the downtown area, they didn't want to be exposed. And they, they sent her home with 10,000 US dollars. So... It, yeah, some stories have happy endings. Uh, quite a few in the past did, but it's becoming more difficult. Yeah. Um, Patricia, could you possibly highlight to uh, our audience um, what kind of uh, cases you've been facing um, since the August 4th blast? Um, because we do know, and we all have heard <clears throat> about the Ethiopians that were outside the embassy. They were sleeping on the streets and in an area in, in Beirut city called Badaro. You did have the issue with the Kenyans and the illegal immigration of them being brought into the country, even though the Kenyan government has denied working with Lebanon because of the kafala system. However, these women were being brought into the country illegally and were um, being handed over to um, uh, employers. Um, oh, and still are, Sophie. I just talked to an agent who... Um doesn't know my who I am and um I found out that he he has just brought in two Kenyans they're arriving tomorrow and they pay off the um the airport officials uh, they pay fifty dollars per per girl that's leaving to the airport officials and they're still arriving oh there'll be gosh. such there'll be two arriving tomorrow uh, and I, uh, do you call these agents and are you acting as an, an uh, uh, are you, are you not giving your name? Um, how are you managing to get this information? So that particular case, I, um, I pretended to be the friend of a, a foreign family who were working with the UN who wanted to bring in a, you know, a fresh maid. They didn't want a, a used one because that's, that's often what they're, how they're referred to. And he said, no problem. And he sent me some uh, little video clips of some woman from Chad. That's a new line of workers starting up soon, Chad. And some Kenyans and some Sierra Leoneans. And these, and, and all of them, all of them are coming in completely illegally and are being bought off and uh, airport officials are being bought off. And Yeah, even now they're, they're flying into Armageddon and they have no idea what they're coming to. Uh, what what type of procedures are you going to try to put in place or or is there any way of uh, are you collaborating with different NGOs on the ground uh, what uh, have you guys tried to put in as a strategy to try to combat this or uh, how are you going about it Patricia um, because at the end of the day 
this is, as you, as we know, it's a law. It's something that has to be changed by the government, you know. So well, it could be changed by the the problem could be solved within five minutes by the Lebanese government. They could just deny visas on arrival for any of these girls coming from the the, the sending countries, as they've done for the recently done for the Nigerians. So the Nigerians use their weight, and now no Nigerian flying and get, can get a visa. And they could solve the problem in five minutes if they wanted to by stopping the issue of visas on on arrival. Uh, but there's you, uh, no political will for that because these girls are an income source. So they're flying in, and then it's new um, new money going into the Ministry of Labour, going to general security. So, you know, this money finances general security. So they, there's no political will to stop it. So this is just, uh, just falls into that different, the, the category of corruption. Yeah. I mean, it needs to be international pressure. And that's what we're trying all the time to, by speaking to you, people, you know, podcasts, on podcast, to media, to anyone who'll listen. We, we'll, we're telling the story of what's happening in Lebanon. And it is slavery. Lebanon is basically the largest slave market in the world now. Even compared to the GCC countries? Yeah, because at least there they're getting paid. In Lebanon, who's getting paid now? These yeah. girls are flying in and they're like, for example, there's a woman from Gambia. Her employers just redid her contract in Arabic. So, of course, she can't understand it. We got a copy of it uh, for 150,000 lira per month. So that's about $18. That's contract slavery. Yes, it is. Oh, well, I, I, thank God we've got you on our show today to be able to highlight these, these stories. Um, and um, what are you doing as an NGO to try to abolish this kafala system? Uh, how are you highlighting it? What are you doing in, in, in regards to the government? How are you standing your ground? Um, or is it just, as you said, through trying to create awareness through uh, international media outlets? Well, you know, everyone's tried everything. There are, there, are, there are plenty of NGOs that have been addressing this issue and nothing has worked over 30 or 40 years. So we figured that the only thing that really will work in the end is embarrassing the Lebanese government into taking action. So we're adding all the time to the weight of evidence. Last week, we put up a post which was about the um, head of military intelligence and his abuse of his Filipino worker. And that um, got our website blocked once again. So we're in the small group of websites that is mainly um, porn websites, and this is Lebanon. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's really tiring. And um, I think if you want to go back onto the topic of uh, embarrassing the Lebanese government, I think the population has been trying to do that for a year and really hasn't gotten anywhere. They've still got their claws into whatever they need to do. And they seem to be standing very, very firm. So do you feel like mm. uh, your, your fight here is, is um, a dark tunnel with no light? Uh, I mean, we go through stages. There was a there was a, um, a stage a while back where we felt enormous hope, actually, because we got a number of donations from um, Lebanese, mainly Lebanese in the diaspora, and an outpouring of support. So we felt like there were, you know, we felt like maybe the tide was turning, and that particularly young Lebanese um, see it for what it is and don't accept it. I mean, it is slavery. 
it used to have a, like this facade of um, legality because people would always say, but look, there's a contract. But um, the contract was only ever enforceable by one party and it was signed in a language that the domestic worker didn't understand. She had no access to even her minimal rights. So, but now the facade has fallen away because um, now, now it is pure slavery. When you're getting paid between 18 and $50 a month working seven hours, you know, seven days a week and cut off from contact from your family, not allowed to leave, then, well, I mean, well, it's, it's even under- worse now with coronavirus. They can't even go and have their day off, can they? They're not even allowed out of the house. Oh, most, 75% of them never had any freedom of movement anyway. But during corona, it was much worse. The, the number of sexual abuse cases that we received quadrupled during the lockdown because these girls were locked in with their, their male abusers. So we even had cases of rape where... All we could do, because all the, you know, there's nowhere to go. All the safe houses are closed. Even the um, ambassador for the Philippines died of COVID. So yeah. no one's no one's wanting to see these girls. Um, so all we could do is negotiate. We just say to the employer, basically, we, you know, we we've got eyes on you. One woman, a Ghanaian woman who was raped, um, was told by. Uh, the honorary consul um, to stay in the house of her employer until the airport opened. And that the airport's open, is she still there? No, she's home now. She's Thank home. God. Um, so how many how many cases have you been involved with where you've actually managed recently, within the last couple of months, where you've managed to organise flights for them out? Uh, we have a repatriation campaign, and people can find that by going on our website, which is um, thisislebanon.news. And we've bought, I, I mean, I haven't checked today, but I think about 27 tickets so far. So we're not, um, we're not, you know, buying for everyone that approaches us. We're, we're very selective in, how, in who we support. So we're, we're mainly um, buying tickets for women who are still inside the house and haven't been packed for months and have no way of getting home. That, that's our main focus. And all of this money is uh, money that you raised through the Lebanese diaspora, or is this also help from the international community as a whole? Uh, a mix. So it's um, it's a fundraiser, a crowdfunder. So um, it's come from a number of different sources. Yeah, generous, kind people who want to help send people home. So everyone, that wraps up the first part of our show. Please stay tuned. Um, We will be releasing the second part next week. So for all of you listening, you can find our podcast on Angrami in the Arab world or head to our website, www.levantx.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at sgaziri, that's G-H-A-Z-I-R-I. So looking forward to your comments and questions. Bye-bye.